Have you ever noticed how easy it is to fall in love with money? I mean, just think about the power you feel after you get your paycheck and after it goes through the bank. You go out to eat, you can travel, maybe you can finally pay off that bill that uh, you keep getting collection calls for. It's so easy to fall in love with money because it creates so many possibilities for us. It's also easy to fall in love with money because it gives us a sense of security. Money pays for our homes, which in Baton Rouge, they protect us from endless rain that we've been getting, right? Uh, it protects us from hurricanes, stuff like that. Uh, money pays for our vehicles and the gas that we put in them, which gets us around town. Money even pays for the clothes we wear and the shoes we walk on. It pays for our medicine, our food, and everything else that we need to survive. Money also is also easy to fall in love with because it gives us a sense of power. Having money means bigger homes, nicer cars, corner offices, and even attracts more respect from others. Money is also easy to fall in love with because it helps us stay connected with loved ones. Just think about it. You need money to pay for a phone that allows you to stay in touch with family. You need money to pay for flights to go visit them. I mean, you need money for almost everything, right? The reality is that everything in this world, almost everything in this world, requires us to have money, which means that it's so easy to fall in love with having it, with having money, making money, saving money, investing money, and everything else that helps us have more of it. It's so easy to fall in love with money. And while money is necessary for almost everything in life, it is possible that falling in love with money can actually be more problematic than it is helpful. Now, through these next four weeks, we're going to explore the negative effects that money can have on our lives and what we can do in order to avoid getting trapped in the pursuit of money, in the pursuit of what the Bible calls the root of all evil. Let's go. So first things first, I want you to hear this scripture from 1 Timothy chapter 6, verses 9 through 10. It says, People who are trying to get rich fall into temptation. They are trapped by many stupid and harmful passions that plunge people into ruin and destruction. The love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. Some have wandered away from the faith and have impaled themselves with a lot of pain because they made money their goal. Now, I can't tell you how often I have heard this verse be used to say that money is evil because it causes us to wander away from our faith, right? But that's not what this text is saying. Did you catch what it said? It says the love of money is the root of all evil. Now, these are two very different things, right? And I see having money isn't evil. Falling in love with money is. Having a savings account, it isn't evil. But falling in love with the amount of money you have in your savings account, that is. Having a retirement fund, that's not evil, but falling in love with how much money is in your retirement, that is. Let me say it one more time. Money isn't evil. Loving money is. Now, you may be thinking, what's the big deal, right? What's so wrong with loving money? After all, money, like we said earlier, gives us a sense of security and peace and power and so many other things. Well, here's the problem. When we're not careful, money begins to control us and manipulate us in ways that we don't even realize are happening. 
And before we know it, our whole lives begin to revolve around making more and more money, saving more and more, and keeping others uh, from getting more than us. Now, this week, I want to talk about a big effect that the love of money can have on our lives. And this effect usually tends to go unnoticed. See, if we're not careful, the love of money can make us ungrateful for what we already have. Let me explain. It had been a dream of mine since I was in college to someday own a truck. Now, at first, I used to say that I didn't care what kind of truck it was as long as I eventually got one one day. Then, some years back, I started looking at new trucks and even used trucks online, and out of nowhere, I decided that if I was finally going to get a truck, it had to be a brand new truck, right? One that I could say was mine and nobody else had ever driven it. Well, one day, I got a phone call from a friend who worked at a dealership, and he told me about a truck that he had sold about a year earlier, but now the owner needed to return it in order to get a more affordable vehicle, which it was great because it only had like 15,000 miles, which it, it wasn't brand new, but it still felt pretty new, and I was excited to go look at it. Well, I have to tell you, as soon as I saw the truck, I fell in love with it. I got in it to test drive it, and it just felt right. And when I looked at the odometer, I was able to convince myself that it was practically new, right? So that night, Susie and I were crunching numbers to see if we could afford it, uh, afford the payment. And much to my surprise, I realized that we could. We'd have to change our budget around a little bit, but we could make it work. And then I said to Susie, I said these words. I said, I really think that if I get this truck, it'll satisfy the itch I have of getting a truck and I will never want another truck. Now, let me tell you, I was right. I was happy with my truck. It met all my needs, and I honestly felt like I would never want another truck. But then about a month later, a coworker bought the same truck, same color, everything as me, except his was bigger, newer, and more powerful. And him getting the new truck took all the attention away from me and mine. And then not too long after that, another coworker bought a newer truck that was even bigger than my friend's with more horsepower and more fancy features. And then he took all the attention away from both of us. And suddenly my truck wasn't good enough. I started wanting a bigger truck and I started thinking about all of the things that I'd be able to do with a new truck, like maybe off-roading, right? Things that I would probably never do. Suddenly I became ungrateful for what I already had. So how do we break ourselves from this vicious and endless cycle of being ungrateful for what we have? I think there's three things that we can do that will help us do this. So the first thing we can do in order to avoid becoming ungrateful is to stop longing for the way things used to be. Now, let me explain. When I was in college, I had a tradition that my friends would come over to my apartment uh, on Saturdays during football season, and we would make food, we would bring, uh, sometimes we would bring our own food, and we would watch football all day long, from game day on ESPN early in the morning until the final whistle would blow that night. And this was every Saturday during the fall. In fact, one of my favorite memories was the time my friend Brian showed up with the 12 tacos and bean burrito combo from Taco Bell, and he ate all of it during that day. I mean, we made so many fun memories watching football. And then when I was in seminary, I made it a custom to wake up, go to the gym, pick up Chinese food or pizza, and then come home and watch as much football as I possibly could. Watching football on Saturdays was just my thing. Which is why, even though I have grown up, uh, grown up responsibilities now that keep me from watching as much football as I used to, I am adamant about having uh, the more expensive cable package that gives me access to as many college football games as possible.
Now, here's the deal. I no longer, like I said, I no longer have time to watch as much football as I used to, which means that most Saturday evenings in the fall, uh, I, you can find me moping around the house upset that I missed so many games. Now, I can argue that I'm mopey because I have so many fond memories of watching football all day, but as long as I keep reflecting on what used to be, I will never be able to fully appreciate the present. See, as long as I keep looking back at how much fun I used to have watching football on Saturdays with my friends, I will fail to see that now as an adult, I can actually buy tickets to go see the game. I can tailgate with my friends on Saturdays in Baton Rouge. Uh, even the fact that now I get to watch games with pizza that's worth more than $5 or a 12 burrito combo from Taco Bell. See, as long as we keep looking back, we will be ungrateful for what we have in the present. In the book of Exodus, chapter 16, there's a story about a people known as the Israelites who were journeying uh, through the wilderness. Now, essentially, they had just been freed out of slavery, and they were now headed to the promised land where they would have everything they ever needed. Now, at this point in the story, the Israelites are complaining because they were hungry. And I get it. I get hangry, too. But listen to what they say in verse 3. It says, Oh, how we wish that the Lord had just put us to death while we were still in the land of Egypt. There we could sit by the pots cooking meat and eat our fill of bread. Instead, you've brought us out into this desert to starve this whole assembly to death. Now, here's what I find interesting. They have just been freed from slavery. This means they no longer have to constantly live under an oppressive master who was known for beating them and expecting endless amounts of, uh, amounts of work from them. This means that their kids would no longer grow into a world of limitations. Being freed from slavery meant that future generations would have a better life than they ever did. And yet, all they can think about is... At least in slavery, we had meat and bread to eat. See, if you want to avoid becoming ungrateful, we have to stop looking back at what used to be and instead look around at the blessings that are present everywhere we look. The second thing we can do to avoid becoming ungrateful is to figure out how much is enough. Now, let me explain. In uh, chapter 16, verse 4, God says this. He says, I'm going to make bread rain down from the skies for you. The people will go out each day and gather just enough for that day. Now, if you keep reading, you find out that the Israelites didn't really listen to this and instead began to gather more bread than they could actually eat in a day. Now, the next morning, the bread, had, uh, the bread had become infested with worms and stank. That's what the scripture tells us. See, they gathered more than they actually needed because, in my opinion, they were probably afraid that the next day they wouldn't be able to get as much food as they needed. Now, unfortunately, their plan failed because, again, by the next morning, their food had gone bad. Now, I don't know about you, but this happens all the time in our house. Let me give you an example of this. Back in 2020, Albertsons started selling Mickey ice cream bars. Now, they were essentially the same ones that you can buy at the parks, the famous ones that you can buy in the parks. They were just smaller than that. Well, one day we walked into the freezer section at Albertsons and they had just put out some boxes of these Mickey uh, bars, these Mickey ears. So Susie and I quickly grabbed one and continued down the frozen aisle to get the last couple of things we needed. Now, as we walked down the aisle, we started thinking that maybe we should get two boxes instead of just one. For starters, we were only getting groceries about once a month because of the pandemic. And uh, we also started thinking, what if by next month they run out of Mickey ears? So we grabbed a second box on our way to check out. Now, as we stood in line, we started reminiscing about how much we enjoyed eating these Mickey ears on our honeymoon, 
and decided that we didn't care if people judged us, we should go get a third box of these Mickey ears. Now, three trips to the freezer section and 12 Mickey ears later, we went home, we stuck one of the boxes in our kitchen freezer and the other two in the garage freezer. Now, we were set for at least a week, right? Well, the first box, we ate it in two days. The second box, we ate it in a week. The third box, we decided to hold on to it because we didn't want to run out. Now, the next time we went to the store, there was one box of Mickey ears left, and even though we had some at home, we decided to buy another box. We ate that box of Mickey ears during the week, but the other box in the garage freezer, we kept refusing to eat it. Now, let me tell you this sad story of what ended up happening to that box of Mickey ears. One day last year, there was a car accident near our neighborhood, and one of the cars ended up hitting an electric pole, knocking out our electricity for the whole day. When the power finally came back on, I went to the garage freezer and everything still seemed cold enough, so we just let everything freeze again. What I didn't realize was that the Mickey ears had melted. And not only had they melted, uh, dairy doesn't really last very long if it's not refrigerated at the right temperature, right? So a couple of months after that power outage, we started craving ice cream and decided to finally break into that box of Mickey ears. What we found still breaks my heart. Instead of Mickey's face, there were blobs of melted chocolate and ice cream at the bottom of these individual packages that had melted, refrozen, and then gone bad. I mean, the ice cream was even yellow and sticky. See, we had been hoarding these, and in the end, instead of enjoying them, they went bad. That's exactly what the Israelites experienced. They hoarded the manna. They hoarded the bread because they were afraid of running out. But in the process of hoarding it, the bread went bad. Uh, the, uh, the bread went bad, and they were never able to enjoy it. See, one of the ways that we can turn away from ungratefulness is by learning to enjoy and appreciate the things we already have instead of hoarding more and more and more than we actually need. The reality is that you probably have enough and there's no need for you to hoard or gather anything. Instead, learn to appreciate what you have. Learn to love what you have. Even learn how to enjoy what you already have. Now, the third thing we can do to avoid becoming ungrateful is to be willing to let God surprise us. So starting in verse 13, chapter 16, verse 13, scripture says this, In the morning, there was a layer of dew lifted, there on the desert surface with thin flakes, as thin as frost on the ground. When the Israelites saw it, they said to each other, What is it? They didn't know what it was. Moses said to them, This is the bread that the Lord has given you to eat. See, the Israelites wanted bread, and while this didn't look like bread to them, while it didn't smell like a fresh bread from a bakery, they were instructed to eat it. And much to their surprise, verse 31 tells us that it tasted like honey wafers. That actually sounds pretty good. Now, what I love about this story is that sometimes we become ungrateful because we don't get exactly what we want. And sometimes, right, you and I do the same thing, right? A couple of years ago, my dad won this camera at work, and he asked me if I wanted it. Now, all I knew was that it was a mini camera that can be used to capture video on the go. As he was telling me about it, I got really excited that it was probably a GoPro. I mean, everything he told me about it said that it was a GoPro. But then I received a package in the mail, and it was a Piwoka Extreme Camera. It's literally a $15 camera on Amazon, which has sat on my shelf since I got it. Now, how ungrateful is that, right? As I, was, as I was working on this sermon cast, I started thinking about this camera, and I decided to open it and see what I was missing out on. Now, I have to tell you, I was right. It wasn't very great. 
but I was also surprised that it wasn't as bad as I thought it would be. And maybe I could use this opportunity to get used to a camera like this, and if I enjoy having one, then maybe I can invest in a real GoPro. See, sometimes we are ungrateful when things aren't exactly the way we want them to be. Think about the bread found in the morning dew and opening a fake GoPro camera instead of the real thing, right? But if, like the Israelites, we are willing to give these things a shot, I think that we will be pleasantly surprised with what God has to offer. The reality is that, for the most part, we have a lot to be grateful about. You probably have a device with which you are listening to the sermon cast. You might have access to food, a roof over your head, maybe even a vehicle to move around in. The reality is that there is a lot to be grateful for. And if for some reason money is starting to get control of you and it's starting to manipulate you and you're starting to feel ungrateful, stop longing for the way things used to be. Start trying to figure out how much is enough for you. And be willing to let God surprise you because you just might realize that what is right in front of you is better than you ever even imagined. May it be so. May you learn to be grateful. Amen. Thank you for joining us today. I hope you enjoyed this episode of the Mid-City Church Sermon Cast. If you'd like to dive deeper, visit midcity.church slash sermoncast to find a home sheet that goes along with this message. On the home sheet, you'll find scriptures, questions to wrestle with, and a challenge that goes along with this sermon cast. I want to invite you to support our ministry here at Mid-City Church by giving today. To give, text the word GIVE, G-I-V-E, to the phone number 225-307-0662. Thanks and see you next week.